the message to be delivered this morning is the message that was prepared for the first Sunday or the second Sunday in uh, January. And you know what happened then. Uh, we were hemmed in, and we, Lois and I, attended the electronic church that morning, <laughs> as many of you did. Uh, every church in Portland and every church in, in Salem were closed. Uh, you could not move from where you were. And uh, fortunately, on Thursday, I went out and I bought some stuff so that we would have food in the house uh, over the holidays. So what you're hearing this morning is not rehashed. What you're hearing this morning is what I believe that God would have us to hear as we were planning for a new year. And this is really our first Sunday of the new year, and I trust that God will use his word as he gave it for us to hear him this morning. If you have your Bibles, will you please turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I call this a prayer for renewal. Psalm 51. I'll read verses 10 through 13. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will take your word through your servant and drive it to our hearts May we not hear God's word for someone else this morning, but may we hear it for ourselves so that God will work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure to the glory of his name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Every year, people make resolutions. Whether it's good or bad, I don't know. I don't indulge in it. But people take it. Some people take it very seriously. But the one thing that is most interesting to me is that every time I hear people talking about resolutions, within a week, they're giving ideas what to do if you fail to keep it. <laughs> so I, I will not make one this morning. But what I, the challenge I want to bring to you, that instead of making a resolution, you ask a question. Psalm 51 is the psalmist asking God for something new. It is the psalmist who, if you please, is looking in a rearview mirror. And he's looking back and he's trying to deal with how he spent the last year or two years or whatever the case may be. And he doesn't want to stay where he was. He wants to go beyond that time, beyond that place. He's asking God if he is pleased 
to do something new because God has promised again and again, behold, I will do a new thing. And it is a tragedy, I suppose, if we live our Christian life and we never go beyond where we have been. And so I pray, and I have been praying, that God will use this message this morning for us to ask God not to make a resolution, but to be able to say to God, what? How? David is asking God. And I want to suggest to you, first of all, that this prayer is the prayer of a defeated life. It is the prayer of a defeated life. You have to go back to 2 Samuel and you will find the history of why David is praying as he did. He realized that he had blown it. He realized that his whole life had been a shamble, had been nothing more than a pretense projecting something publicly that wasn't true in his own life. And you have to go back to the story. We don't have all the time to do that, but you can find it in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Two things from the verses I have read. First of all, the prayer of this defeated life is a personal prayer. Listen to how he begins his request. Here is his asking. He's requesting God to do something for him. Not that he wants to do something for God. Create in me. Create in me. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. What David wanted was to make sure that he did not lose sight of where the real problem in his life resided. Proverbs 14.9 has a very interesting verse of scripture. It's a very uh, interesting verse of scripture. Listen to what it says. Fools mock at sin. Fools mock at sins. In other words, fool, and this is not someone who is stupid. This is someone who is rejecting God's truth. God says, this is wrong, but I say God doesn't know what he's talking about. So I have my own conclusions as to what is. That's a fool. Fools mock at sin. To a fool, sin is not something to be taken seriously. David said, I am not going to play around with that. I have to take this seriously. So he personally put, placed himself in the presence of God and asked God to deal with his own personal Christian believing Jewish life, whichever term you want to use. I find fools all over the place. When Eric Eichmann, some of you might not be old enough, but you can go on the internet and find out who Eichmann is. When he was being taken to the gallows, 
after his terrible, terrible, terrible behavior with Jews in Germany. And he was captured in South America, brought back to Israel for trial and, and hanging. As he was being taken to the gallows, his behavior was so bizarre. When the priest went up to him to put the, 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 the uh, handkerchief over his face, and, and when he was about to pray, he said, I don't need that. Bring me a bottle of whiskey. And he, in, in the presence of death, Long live Germany. Long live Argentina. I don't believe in any God. I will meet you over there, which is very bizarre. Listen to how his whole behavior was summed up. It was as though in those last minutes he was summing up the lesson that the long course in human wickedness has taught us. And here's the long lesson. The lesson of the fearsome word and thought-defying banality of evil. The lesson of the fearsome word and thought-defying banality of evil. In other words, only those who have not been able to deal with their own lives give any serious thoughts to sin. When someone is, 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 is in that position, nothing is serious for them, not even God. And David is saying, I don't want to, to play with what I have done. I am conscious of my failure in life. And this is a man who has been defeated. He was displaying a behavior that he knew wasn't true. My wife had, my wife listens to the news a lot more than I do, uh, at least the, 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 the Fox and the CNN, but she had CNN on some time ago, and there was a fellow by the name of Don Lemon. You will recall that a few weeks ago, four black fellows in Chicago ganged up upon someone who was in a wheelchair beat the man to almost whatever. And so it was all over the news. And, and someone had sent me an, an internet deal, and I thought, I better watch this. And the, the fellow who was the interview from CNN was a fellow by the name of Don Lemon. And so what these fellows did was being described as evil. And Don Lemon looked into their faces and said, evil. What is evil? That wasn't evil. That was a failure of parents. Wow. And, and here he was able, in, in order to be politically correct, he couldn't see. That's, that's the banality of evil. That's not looking at something that is so serious that you cannot even go beyond your political view and you treat it as though it doesn't have any significance at all. And my friends, we're doing that today. 
with so many things. Listen to David. When Nathan went to David and Nathan described to him a story. And David was worked up in his mind about this story. And Nathan said to David, David, you are the one guilty of this. Listen to what David said. It was because of what Bathsheba did. No. You know what he said? I have sinned. David internalized what he heard and he caused the word of God to work across his mind and to show the the pure light of God into his heart and he came to one conclusion. I didn't sin because I saw Bathsheba. I sin because I love to sin. That's, That's what it did. So by the time David was worked over by God, in Psalm 139, we read, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be some grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. My friends, as we think of the year two. 2017, let's not begin with the White House. Let's not begin with even the church, if you please. Let's not begin with Salem or Ottawa or Washington. Let's ask God, let's ask God, as David did, create in me a clean heart. Let us personally get with God So that God can use his searchlight on my heart. So that he will remove from me anything that would stop him. Not even stop him. But anything that would prevent me from experiencing what God wants to do for us. See, while David was in this position, all he had to do was to keep protecting himself. And God had his timing, and he put his searchlight through Nathan. And when David was was made aware of his own need, he cried to God, create in me a clean heart. Not only is this a prayer that is personal, but this is a prayer that is precise. Precise. Create in me. The word create is the same Hebrew word that is used when God created the heavens and the earth. Listen to what David is saying. The need in my heart was so great that only divine power could actually change it. I can't change it by resolution. I I, I cannot change it by by somehow saying, okay, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I remember when, when they, I don't even remember what, what it was. Um, all I can remember, it was sold by Kmart. <laughs> and, and it was one of these um, exercise um, bicycles that you could buy and have in your home. And they show this, this, this person on the bicycle. And this is what can happen in six weeks. 
if you get on that bicycle and do your stuff. And so I went out and bought one of those bicycles. And in a month, I gave it away. <laughs> I could have given it away. But I had every excuse under the sun not to use it. I was too busy. I'll do it later on. <laughs> That's how we live. See, my friends, resolution can only deal with what we wish. But when David asked God to create, he said, God, the power that you use to bring into existence the creation is the power that my heart needs to make it a clean heart and a new heart. Not by resolution, but by asking God. Create in me a clean heart. You know, it's, in, it's interesting Malcolm Mugridge is one of my, my favorite men, and I wish I knew more about him. But Mugridge was a journalist for the British newspaper, and he was, uh, he's dead now, but he tells a story. One morning he got up, he was, he was a journalist in India at this time, and he got up one morning and he decided to go for a swim. As, as, as he made his way to the river, he looked, and there he could see a naked body. Mugridge impulsively felt the allurement of the moment, and temptation stormed into his mind. He had lived with this kind of a struggle for years, but had somehow fought it off in honor of his commitment to his wife, Kitty. On this occasion, however, he wondered if he could cross the line of marital fidelity. He struggled just for a moment, and then the swarm furiously toward this, this woman, literally trying to outdistance his conscience. May, may, may I repeat that? He was furiously going toward this woman, trying to outdistance his conscience. His mind fed him. Now he was just two or three feet away from her. As he emerged from the water, any emotion that may have gripped him paled into significance when compared with the devastation that shattered him as he looked at her. She was an old, hideous woman. Her skin was wrinkled, and worst of all, she was a leper. The creature grinned at me, showing toothless mask. The experience left Mugridge trembling and muttering under his breath. What a dirty, lecturous, le lecturous woman. But then the rude shock of it dawned upon him. It was not the woman who was lecturous. It was his own heart. Anna Russell writes this. At three, I had a feeling of ambivalence toward my brothers. And so it follows naturally, I poisoned all my lovers. But now I hap I'm happy I have learned the lesson this has taught, that everything that is wrong with me is someone else's fault. 
It was a personal request. It was a precise request. Create in me. Dear friends, as we think of the, the year ahead of us, as we think of what has happened in this country over the last 16 months, the things we have heard, the news, you know, Lois and I uh, drove down to, to Albany yesterday, and uh, she had the, the, the radio on to um, Fox News, and, and uh, I was, she, Lois was driving the vehicle all the time, so I was driving it yesterday. So when we got in the vehicle and I heard Fox News, I turned it off. And Lois said this, thank you. I am so sick and tired of hearing what I have been hearing. Because I, I'm, I'm telling you this, friends. When we look, when we take the rear view mirror and we look back at the year 2016, sure there have been trials, sure there have been pains, sure there have been, been hurts, but my friends, do you realize that when you look back in the rearview mirror, it's not someone else's fault. We'll see it in a minute. A very, very interesting thing we will see that when David was asking God, he was taking a look at his own life, something that we don't like to do because when we look at our own lives, we are embarrassed. We're disappointed. I spoke to someone just recently. And this person, they don't go to this church, by the way, so it's not anyone in this church. This person said to me, I need a miracle. That's precisely what David was asking God for. A miracle. My, for, for God to make changes in my life, it will take a miracle because I've been so steep in this behavior, I've been so steep in this attitude for such a long time that it will take God's divine power to change it, make it clean. What we have here is a testimony of a Christian man who's asking God to make future adjustments. Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that? For how many of us, December 31st came and went, and all we do is to look forward to some of the same. Not one moment to say, oh God, I don't want to live with this any longer. Let me quickly go. Not only the prayer of a defeated man, a defeated life, a defeated heart, but it was a prayer of a desperate heart, a desperate life. Verses 12 and 13. The prayer was confessional, I call it. The prayer was confessional. Listen to what he says in verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know what he's confessing? That he's been going through the motion over and over again, and it it was just a matter, I, I can hardly wait to get out of that service because I keep hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me, but I'm not too sure that I'm responding to him. What, what, what I'm saying, Lord, is that the joy is gone. The joy is gone. I knew better days as a Christian. 
But now I've been living in this hole for such a long time. And you read what David did, friends. Not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, he manipulated for Uriah to be killed. He, inv- he, he called his own general and made him a part of it because misery likes company. So David had to deal with this. And the, each day he lived, there was less and less joy. You see, joy is not a smile on my face. It is a satisfaction of my heart that God is pleased. But there was no such satisfaction in David's life. Let me quickly go on to two things that robbed him of his joy. If you take time for self-examination, you will find violation of God's law. Listen to what he says. When you read verse 4 of Psalm 51, when David said, Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy sight, he's not excusing himself about Bathsheba. What he's saying, if I had obeyed God in the first place, I wouldn't have done it. Because you see, my friends, we have to violate what God says before we violate someone else. And, and David was saying, like Malcolm Muggridge, he was trying to distance his conscience, hoping that somehow, but he could not get away from it. And so, when we, have, when we look in the rearview mirror, we'll have to be honest with ourselves, honest with God. I can hear someone saying, but I'm not guilty of adultery. I'm not guilty of murder. I'm not guilty of manipulation. Very good. Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman, and they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us? And it's the next four words I want you to hear, or five words. And the Lord heard it and the Lord heard it you know what he heard a complaining spirit a complaining spirit and please listen friends and we have to really come to grips with this we are against homosexuality against transgenderism against gay marriage because the Bible says it's wrong but listen, the Bible also says that gossip is wrong. It says that a critical spirit is wrong. It says that a complaining spirit is wrong. It says that a conniving spirit is wrong. And we can keep ourselves from the big, bad sins. But we do not do anything about what one writer calls respectable sins respectable sins. We call them little white lies. As if God puts lies in categories. 
when we put ourselves before God, we say against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Please listen. When we take time to look in the rearview mirror, let us see God's law being broken, and that's why relationships are broken down. And to realize that sin does not come only in big packages, it comes in little packages as well. But then he says something else. Not only my behavior, but David deals with something we are not willing to deal with. In sin, my mother conceived me, not by sin. In sin. In other words, my mother receded from her mother and her mother from her mother and back and back and back until we get to Adam and Eve. And David is saying, there's something within me, something called sin, that even when I think I'm okay, I am not because it can hit me from left field without knowing it. No person who is seeking to follow God plans to disobey God. It happens. Because friends, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he falls. If, if, if I think that I cannot do what anybody else is doing, Paul says you're, you're, in, you're in dangerous grounds. Because it is possible for any of us you know how many pastors have fallen because they f- felt that their position gave them power and authority? I wish I had time to go through that. My time is gone. But I want you to see, friends, that if we are to see something new, it's not going to take place by resolution. It'll take place by asking God. Asking God for a change. Look at what happens once David asks God. Prayer is not only confessional. My joy has been gone. I don't have any strength to do anything else. And he's asking God for it. But his prayer became what I call missional. Then, then, after God creates, after God sets me free from the past, I will be able to witness because the way in which others will come to Christ is when I share with them what Jesus Christ has done for me, how peace reigns within my heart because I'm a forgiven person. I'm a person who has nothing to hide any longer because the blood of Jesus Christ has taken care of it in the Christian jargon. So if sinners are are to be one, my friends, I have to be cleansed. I have to have a new heart. I have to have a clean heart. God frees me up to speak when I am free from personal guilt. It's not pride. It is the joy of knowing that I have been forgiven. Sinners will be converted. Are we not desirous, my friends, of seeing men and women young and old, come to Jesus Christ in this community? Are we not concerned for them? Listen, it could be that God will begin to reach them when he cleanses us. 
when he sets us free so that we are able to look into our sinner's friends, into their faces, and say, listen, I want you to know that this is not pretense, this is not judging, this is freedom. Christ has set me free. I am free from guilt because the blood of Christ cleanses from all sins. I am free from judging you because God has judged me. And just like the missionaries we heard from this morning, they want to go and share with others because God has released them from the penalty and the practice of sin. Don't make resolution. Ask God. What are you going to ask him for? It all depends on what happens as we look to the future. Let us pray. Oh God, it is not because I know of anything. This is the word that you gave in my study. And to be honest, I did not preach at all because I looked at the clock. But I pray that whatever your Holy Spirit will use from this word, he will use. And he will complete what I started this morning. And that we will be a congregation of cleansed, joyful people. Filled with the joy of the Lord. And that no matter what happens in the year 2017, that we will be able to say, God is great and God is good. And we want to thank him. Use this word, Lord, which was supposed to be the first word on the first Sunday of a new year. You know why we did not meet. So use it as you will for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.